Are you an enthusiastic wine drinker but sweat uncontrollably over a restaurant list from Albarino to Zweigelt? Set aside your fears, relax, and start enjoying wine without worry. Here's your host, Jameson Fink. So if you're like me, and I know you are, you love to drink wine, not just at home, but also going out to restaurants. Um, I've discovered some of my favorite new wines by being adventurous and going to really cool restaurants with people who had great wine programs, and it's been super fun to uh, discover things by the glass or by the bottle and then uh, seek them out at my favorite wine retailer and enjoy them at home. So I'm talking with Julene Perry, who has been involved with uh, Seattle Weekly, Como Radio, Fox Q13, Urban Spoon Eater Seattle, Seattle Magazine. Basically, if it has to do anything with, with the words food and Seattle, Julene has, has been there and done that and continues to do so. So Julene, um, uh, you're an enthusiastic wine drinker like myself, correct? <laughs> yes. Is that accurate to say? It is very accurate to yeah, say. Yeah, we're actually drinking wine right now, naturally. But uh, I just wonder um, you know, whether you're reviewing it or writing about a restaurant, uh, is wine, how important is wine uh, to you as far as like uh, a selection and, and what the staff knows about uh, telling you about it? But, so I'm not very knowledgeable about wine. I know the basics at this point in my life. I can look at a menu and pretty much know what I like. Um, so I'm not, if you put like a, if I've been, never been to a, a restaurant and you put a wine list in front of me, like a really thoughtfully procured wine list, mm -hmm. I will actually have like no idea. I might be, able, some things might look familiar to me, but for the most part, I want somebody who I can just say, hey, I really like easy drinking, mm -hmm. maybe like French wines, you know, without upselling me or picking out the most expensive glass on this list, like what can you recommend? And I love it when they'll just give me a little taste. I can't stand it when they won't give me a taste and they just pour me a whole glass and I end up you know, not drinking it. Mm -hmm. um, and this has happened to me more often than not where I'll go to a restaurant and order a glass and they'll just pour me, pour me a whole glass. I'll take a couple of sips and just find it horrible. It's not that it's cork or it's bad. Yeah. It's just not what I wanted. Right. And instead of asking like, oh, well, I see you haven't touched your wine. Is everything yeah. okay? They will just not even care and just charge me for it anyway. It's like they, it just it's not, it's not important to them whether or not I enjoy it or not. So, I don't know, but t I tend to sit at the bar when I go out to eat. Mm -hmm. That's my I love comfort sitting at zone. the bar, yeah. I don't understand why more people don't. I mean, I love it. I mean, not just even not just when I'm alone, but when I'm with someone. Yes. Like I prefer to sit at the bar like 9 times out of 10, maybe 10 out of 10. I do too. I like sitting like we are right now, you can look at someone. Yeah. Uh, you can have more uh, like scandalous or gossipy conversation if you want to. And yes. sometimes you get, um, and not that I haven't had awesome service sitting at a table, but I like that you're right there with the bartender and it's just more, I think it's sometimes more like an intimate service to, to diner relationship. Right, and they can pinpoint right away when you need something. Mm -hmm. they're, they, they're reading you all the time because they're, they're always looking at you. Okay, so you brought up an interesting point. This is, this is the downfall of sitting at the bar, especially being in the industry. Mm -hmm. When you want to have those scandalous conversations mm -hmm. or you've had like three glasses of wine, yeah. you just start like spewing at the mouth. Yeah. And then the next morning, 
for me, I'll wake up and I'll be like, oh my God, like how much of that conversation did the bartender, who I know and who mm -hmm. I know knows a lot of my friends, how much of that did he hear? And is he going to tell those people that he probably heard me referencing? Is he going to tweet about it? Is he going to tweet about it? Is he going to Instagram it? Oh, I know. Is he going to type up a note on his phone and then Instagram that note? Yeah. So I have to be really careful because I've heard horror stories of industry people um, whether they're in the food media or PR or whatever, going to a bar, bad-mouthing somebody. Mm -hmm. And, of course, that bartender is going to be friends uh, with the person they're talking. Or and dating them. A, yeah, it's such a small community. So I need to find a way that I can capture the charm of sitting at a restaurant bar, having those amazing conversations with friends, mm -hmm. but knowing that the bartender is not, like, purposely eavesdropping or if or he just hears can't help something it. it's a small right. it's a small enclosed space or i almost feel like okay i i, I uh, typed up a waiver can uh -huh. you please sign right, this right. like this is all it's a standard MD. release it's just an nda yeah, like yeah. whatever you hear right. like you can't tell anybody and you will be tipped well <laughs> i will tip you so well for your discretion oh my goodness and i will sue your ass if you <laughs> if you violate this uh, non disclosure does that exist can you no that can't i, I don't know you could just be bombastic <laughs> about it so um, we both love uh, sitting at the bar and eating. Another thing we both love is unique dining experiences. So I want to talk to you about One Night Only, yes. which is a project that you co-founded. Yes. And um, One Night Only. So, uh, so I go out to a lot of cool restaurants, eat a lot of great food, drink wine. Uh, so what is One Night Only and how is it different than just me going to some like new cool place that seems to pop up every week? Yeah. So it, it's not a pop-up. Right. Um, I said pop up like right. a new restaurant. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of people, I don't think they really know what to make of one night only. So they either categorize it as like, oh, you're this cool underground thing, mm -hmm. or you're a pop up. I regret saying pop up. No, but pop up is has transformed itself. But it isn't. I mean, it's, nah, it's not really. I mean, it's a pop up in the sense that we do these dinners once a month. But you know, by no means are we trying to like be this cool like gypsy kind of dinner so but, tell me what it's all so about. it is basically my business partner melissa peterman and i hi melissa <laughs> we get a chef preferably one who can help us sell you know tickets that are not cheap so they need to have some sort of name recognition mm -hmm. um and then we cap it at like 30 40 people we pair that meal and the meal it's when i say it's four courses i mean it was more food than you can eat I have, uh, I've been there as a paying customer, and I, uh, I ate my fill and then some. Yeah, I did not want for food. Who was the chef? Mike Easton. Oh, that's right. Cooked, uh, uh, so Mike that's Easton right. of uh, Il Corvo and Gabbiano Pizza uh, did a, a New Mexican dinner. It was, it was fucking delicious. Mm -hmm. It was really great. It was really fantastic. And then we also drank Gruet sparkling wine at the beginning, which is from New Mexico, which is one of my favorite sparkling wines, and it's always a great conversation starter because people are like, what? Sparkling wine from New Mexico? And it's just like, a, it's one of those wines that really like just gets people interested in wine. It's unique and it's cool. Yeah, that's right. So that, I remember there, there was a lot of food, but, um, you know, we charge like 150, 175, but that is all inclusive. It's, it's more food than you can eat. It's all the wine you can drink more or less. It's tax and tip. I mean, it's a really, I think it's a good deal. Um, but then, you know, we, so we will pair whatever that meal is with a winemaker and we'll talk to the chef. Like, do you have any, you know, wines that you love, you know, who, do you have any suggestions of who we could... How badly, how badly do you want to work with Jameson Fink on this dinner? <laughs> but what I, I did think, do one and it was really fun. Yeah, but you're actually 
preferable. So this is the first year that we've so we've sort of shunned. Are you, are you just saying that? No, I'm I absolutely podcast. am not. Because I would I, I would edit it in anyway. <laughs> the first two years we paired each chef with a winemaker, uh-huh. and holy cow, did we just like lose our ass on that? Like mm-hmm. it's so expensive. Mm-hmm. So it's much better to have somebody an independent. I'm making a note here. Charge more <laughs> next time. Exorbitant rates. And they're like you know we. It's a fun time. They, it's not like they're making a ton off of us, but it's way more than, say, we have you who's non-biased and you have a bunch of wines to choose from and you thoughtfully curate a list. And not only that, but, you know, you, these people who are dining can probably find those wines easier than, say, some boutique winery mm-hmm. in Walla Walla where they're like, where the hell can I even get this? So right. it's nicer to have people such as yourself who can who can curate more, you know, pull from different regions and, you know, that's fun. Um, so yeah, I mean, One Night Only is basically about just creating really relaxing, fun, come as you are dinners. They're not fancy. People show up in jeans, people show up in dresses. It's, it's really just about making people feel comfortable and, you know. Well, I have uh, been to a one-night-only dinner. I've worked one, and I've attended one as a civilian, and I had a great time both times. So um, if you're interested in learning more about one-night-only project dinners, go to ono, as in O-N-O, project.com to learn more, or you can uh, feel free to contact me about it or, uh, or contact Julene via onoproject.com. And uh, yeah, it was a really fun experience. And um, so go to, okay, so here's what you need to do. Go to a one night only project dinner. And then the next time you go out to eat, uh, sit at the bar and just be mindful of what you say. <laughs> and, don't take, and don't take seats away from Julian and myself. <laughs> and always leave two seats together. Don't yeah. be the person who leaves one here and oh, one yeah. there. I know, it's like, I've, I've, I've started to be better about that because it's like, um, like the spacing rule. It's like you feel like, it's like, no, you need to sit next to someone so if like two or three people come in, they can sit together. I always take the end seat. Even if it's not the most comfortable, yeah. I take it mm-hmm. because I feel like I have to at this point. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. What is interesting too is bars, I'm surprised how little times I see like single people sitting at a bar. I never, do you see that? Uh, I don't know. I'm a single person. I'm a single person too. And I think Capitol Hill, which is our neighborhood, Mm. I see more of that than any other neighborhood. But when you go downtown, you go to Pike Place Market, you go to Ballard, rarely do I see like the singleton who's just hanging out by themselves at the bar. Like Mm. I find that very rare. And I think people are afraid to go out by themselves in Seattle. I love it. I actually really like it. But I am also one of those people that likes to work while I am eating Mm. and drinking. And it's not because I'm afraid of just sitting there and taking it all in and looking dumb. Like I am very productive taking my laptop, which is also obnoxious, but I know a few neighborhood places that, you know, don't mind if I do that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I am more productive taking my laptop to a bar and eating and drinking while I work than I am anywhere else. Like 100%. I don't know if it's like this idea of having an audience that's like, I feel like I'm being watched, but um, I, I get so much work done. They're all staring at you like, be more productive. <laughs> or like, why does that girl at the bar have her laptop? Like, who does that? Yeah, yeah. Now, I bring my laptop bag and the whole nine yards. Oh, wow. Kind of, I kind of have eased up on that. But. Well, you're the envy of everyone because you're uh, drinking, eating, and working at the same time. 
That's like perfect balance. It's a triumvirate. Yes. It's a trinity of some sorts. Thanks, Julene, for joining me. And um, just a little foreshadowing for my wine pick of the week. We are drinking a red wine from Argentina, and that is my wine pick of the week, but I'm going to tell you more about it shortly. You're listening to Wine Without Worry with Jameson Fink. All right, wine pick of the week time. Uh, as I foreshadowed, it is from Argentina, and it's a Malbec. Shocking. Uh, Malbec is Argentina's signature grape, and something I started drinking, I don't know, 10 or 15 years ago. It was inexpensive. It was delicious. It was fun. And um, then it became a bit ubiquitous, and not that I have uh, a problem with something not being esoteric or undiscovered anymore, but I just think some of it became a little boring, and some of it became a little... It was maybe for me a little too, a little too syrupy, a little too jammy, a little too oaky, and uh, so I turned away from it. Uh, I, I will admit, but uh, recently I got sent to me a couple of sample bottles of uh, Alamos wines from Argentina, and the one I really enjoyed was the Selección uh, 2012. And uh, it is a Malbec, and um, there's a lot to like about it. I know last week I picked a wine that uh, there's only 50 cases made, and so now I'm stepping it up with something that's a little more widely available that's 15,000 cases. And it's a $20 bottle of wine. And what I like about this Malbec is that it is not oaky, it's not heavy, it's just a rich, pleasurable red wine to drink on a rainy winter day. Um, I think part of the reason why I like it is that it comes from some really high altitude vineyards up to 5,000 feet, and I think that keeps keeps the nights cooler, keeps the grapes cooler, and that helps retain more acidity, which I really like in a wine. I like it to have a little zest and zip on the end. So uh, it's a $20 bottle, like I said, Alamos Selexio and Malbec 2012, and I think if you've had a little bit of Malbec fatigue, this is a, a wine that will uh, jumpstart you back into Malbec again. So enjoy. Thank you. <laughs> 